let this be the intro. That was kind of nice. So what was this? What was that? That was... Uh, so this is a... um. Welcome to Melomaniacs. Yeah. Uh, Hip hop edition. So that was um, my <laughs> cousin Liz made a ridiculous playlist of um, it's called Jazzy Beats that go boom bap. That's and it's literally you were like telling me about nine. This last time. It's like nine and a half hours of just ridiculously good like new hip hop R and B um, smooth jazz fusion stuff. Like it's just so I just throw it on all the time. And uh, is this what we listen to in the garage too? Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. This is like one of my favorite songs off of its uh, D minor nine by the Crown City Rockers. And it's literally like it's just butter. Like, it's so good, dude. It's like a jazz, it's like it's like a mixture of like I keep Coltrane and like I don't know, Black Street. I don't know what what you would call it, but super smooth. Um just goes down nice and easy. Yeah, I, I think, like this whole playlist. I think jazzy beats that go boom bap is a perfect description. That's pretty yeah, awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, I left my coffee over there. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> Nectar of the gods. There's gonna be so much. Um. Oh shit. Whatever. I got two days out of these pants. That's good enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, I damn uh, you khaki pants. <laughs> there's gonna be so much like mic movement and bumping. I've already hit the base of both mic stands. Um, I have one of my shock mounts broke, so my mic is hanging limp. It's we, good. We, we got to get you a better chair down here. I feel like guilty because I'm in this comfy like chair, and you're in like the <laughs> that garbage chair that I have down. Here. <laughs> you're in like the captain's chair. Right. I'm sitting in the the lawn furniture for the back porch. Right. Exactly. No, it's all right. I'm. I don't need much. I feel like, I feel like if I sit back too, then I'll just kind of melt into the the sound cave. This way, I kind of feel like I'm, I'm still forward thinking. I'm still in the conversation. Yeah. Which yeah. I got, I got rid of this light above us because I found it to be really irritating. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, still it works. I just have it off, and I have other lights on down here, so it's a little bit more mellow. And you pointed out there's lots more soundproofing too. Yeah, which is kind of awesome. The yeah, I decided to go walls. with um, just ghetto, just taking old boxes that I've had from all the shit that I've bought, um, and recycling it and using <laughs> it with thumbtacks across all the joices, and then and then <laughs> awesome. using spray adhesive with my uh, sound deadening isolation pads or whatever you call them. They're like fifty bucks for like fifty of them on Amazon. And just doing the whole, you know, most of the ceiling of where the, a lot of the speaker sound is coming from. Yeah, no, it's good. I mean, this works. Yeah, I'm you loved. can't, it doesn't make a difference upstairs, but down here it sounds better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like it's always going to kind of thump through the floor, especially yeah. with this system. Yeah. But this makes it feel, you know, it feels... Um, it's deadened a little bit, so you get a little more of a direct sound from mm -hmm. the speakers. And no, I like it. I like it. It's good. This is like, whoo! I could live down here some days. If you had a toilet in the corner, I know. Don't tempt me. I, 
<laughs> I could curl up in the corner. As if I had coffee and soundproofing and tunes, I'd be good to go. Yeah, I, I, there's it's only a matter of time before I move a coffee machine down here. <laughs> <laughs> this is good shit too. I know it's not a coffee podcast, but every time, every time I come over here, I I'll be honest, I buy like chock full of nuts. Right. That's that's the degree of coffee that Dude, I go with. Don't sleep on chocolate nuts. That's no, good it's shit. good. It's very good. Like I look at I Folgers, it for years. Folgers and Maxwell House and stuff, and I'm like, look yeah. at this shit yeah, over that's here. Garbage, yeah. Eight dollar. Fuck that. But, I'm gonna but, buy the nine dollar chocolate. But chocolate nuts is actually has a good flavor to it. It is. I like it a lot. But then I come here and you're like, here's my, here's my here's my, my poor super white white douchebag Starbucks <laughs> that I've ground up. You know, freshly, and then I did a pour over like a complete it's hipster. Awesome! <laughs> it's so good. That's such a cliche. <laughs> but the proof uh, is in the pudding. It's good fucking coffee, dude. It is. It is. This is exactly. But this is like, this is kind of how how my mornings have been lately. I just I love a good cup of black coffee and just chilling. And if I'm not, you know, listening to music or playing games or something, it's just. I very rarely drink coffee at night anymore. I used to do it all the time when I was a teenager or, like, in college. We would go to diners at, you know, 10 o'clock at night, and I'd always have a cup of coffee. It didn't matter what time it was. Right. But I, I really like doing it for this kind of setting because it's, I don't know, it doesn't it doesn't really amp me up where I feel like I can't sleep. Mm-hmm. It actually kind of just keeps me, I feel like it keeps me mellow. I'm sure, I know coffee does that to certain kind of people with certain kind of body structure. Like, yeah. there's people who can't drink it at night. And then there's people no, who I can, drink a cup can and actually sleep. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. High but, tolerance. Um, yeah, I've been. Uh, what else since last time? Before we before we get into the the meat of um, of it, um, I, I signed up for Spotify. Finally, so I got finally got a Spotify Premium. We did the duo. So Melissa and it's I have deal. each have a, it is it is a good deal. I I I've struggled for the past couple of weeks with like the fact that I'm only listening to stuff that I already own. Right. Like I'm right. searching, you right. know, like I listen to cuz I'm working down in the basement too doing doing re-drywalling my basement and so I put on like this this is is one of my favorite things uh-huh. yep. to explore. That's probably my favorite thing about about Spotify right now. So I did this is Alice in Chains. Right. And I was just like random, just shuffle every Alice in Chains album, a bunch right. of live stuff, and like that's cool. But then <laughs> after about two hours of it, I was like, Man, I own all this music. What am I doing? Why am I paying for this? Have you ever But it's so... those moments where you find like a playlist that you really like or you're like, yeah. Oh, who's this new artist? Let me just search on it and then right. Then I feel like it, it its value really kind of sticks to me. But the cool part about Spotify and Tidal and some of these um, streaming services, yeah, is that um, have you so have you when you're running those playlists or you're listening to your favorite music and you let it stop. So like if you go into the settings, you can set it up so that once you're whatever you're listening to, the playlist stops. It'll do an algorithm where it'll put together similar music and artists and just start playing random shit and it's whatever their algorithm is it's fantastic because like you'll be sitting there and you'll be like your album the album's over right so you're done listening to whatever playlist or whatever right. artist and then all of a sudden it just keeps going because it doesn't stop and then all of a sudden you start hearing stuff like new artists or like related artists or like and they just know like right. what you like well see and that's- the more you listen to spotify and the more different stuff you do 
it builds on that. The more stuff you like. So if you if you hit the heart button right. and you like things, it builds on that. And so like every time you go in there and you listen to a playlist or you listen to artists, it's going to just that algorithm redoes it over and over again. So it learns what you like so that when even when you're done listening to something, it'll put together just like this random mix. Well, that was honestly my biggest my biggest um complaint or whatever my biggest criticism about it at first was like man i really used to love pandora how you could thumb up and thumb down and then it would be like here's an artist right that, that we think you like yeah i remember on, that and it, and it broke it down the into so down, many different yeah. yeah it broke it down into so many different um aspects of it mm-hmm. like oh this has really you know like forward mixed drums and this has really aggressive bass lines and right. this is, like they broke that oh this is between 120 and 140 beats per minute and they would give you new music based on liking it like that right. and that's what i was really missing so i don't think i have that setting um engaged so i need to go look for that cuz that's really what i mean i've also been been listening to like literally shuffling entire artist discographies so i might not have gotten to the end of a playlist yet right but um but that's definitely what like that's if if i don't have that engaged that's the next level of what i'm looking for is like cuz i want to discover new things and i want to find more stuff that's like you know i don't just want to listen to the 90s grunge that i that right. i liked right but um that's what i love about it is yeah. that it'll like bring up stuff like if you just go and even their pre-made playlists like if you just go into like indie and right. like they're indie like there's a couple like really good indie playlists that they have already built up and and then they refresh it all the time. Right. So like with new artists and, and then they'll throw in old shit and then what happens is you go into a wormhole and then like you're like, "Oh, who is this?" and then you start yeah. checking out that artist and I, that's how I found so many people that way. Yeah, that's definitely what <clears throat> what I want out of the service. I mean 50/50. I want that and then I also want Oh shit! Let me listen to this band right now, and right. this. Let me hear this. Because gu- one thing I did. Hold on, I'm gonna move this again because mm-hmm. now I feel like I'm looking at you through <laughs> a jail cell of microphones. Um, Dinosaur Junior. Holy shit, man! I went down a Dinosaur Junior hole, and I swear I haven't listened to anything since those '93 and '94 albums. Green is and like even then, Green Room is like the most ridiculously good album. Every e- song is good. Even then. I didn't listen to the whole albums, you know, like they right. were always kind of on in the background, right. but I wasn't listening the same way that I do now. And, and dude, fucking, I, I slept on Jay Mascus for years He's because I did not realize how talented he was. He's so, so good. We don't I need did the to same go thing off on week. another Dinosaur Junior tandem, yeah. but I very specifically started, you know, doing shuffling their whole discography and just listening to stuff, mm-hmm. you know, out of order and then went back and like start this album here and run go through the whole thing. I did the same thing that week. And it's just awesome. This is so good. Yeah. Like, every time I got in the car I was thrown on Jay Mascus. Yeah. They if if I had I, I don't know why. Maybe it was just because the mainstream hype wasn't as big as Nirvana and Soundgarden and Pearl Jam and Alice in Chains. But if I had given those albums the same time that I had given the first couple releases from the other grunge bands of that era, they totally would have been in that pantheon. Yeah. Because his style is unlike anything. You know, like, it's it's so tight, but it's so sloppy at the same time, and it's, like, a purposeful, and I love that shit. That's yeah. why I like the Kinks. Yeah. That's why I liked Nirvana. Like, that just sort of purposeful, sloppy, and messy, like, Tweety does it sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I I like that organic feel. So. Yeah, Dinosaur Junior is such a sleeper band. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. So I just I had to bring that up because it was yeah. like we talked about it a little bit and you played it for me and the, I actually 
now that I have Spotify, I went down the wormhole and got to like really listen to it. It helps to play it really loud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like my favorite thing to do now when I'm so I'm re like I said I'm redoing the basement and I basically just set up my my Bluetooth speaker and my phone on a windowsill and then I just shuffle whatever I think I won't have to you know mess with or touch. Um, so I've been shuffling like '90s grunge playlists, and I, sh- I shuffled '90s alternative hits, and there were just like so many songs that I had even just completely forgotten about. Verve pipe and all this stuff mm. that was like playing, and it was a lot of fun. But then I also did uh, for the past couple of days I've been doing um, like a '90s hip hop mix, right. which is just incredible. And there's a lot of stuff that I forget. Because, you know, I graduated in 97 from high school. Right. So there's a lot of stuff that I forget about from those first, like, two years out of high school and into college. Because I was meeting a whole bunch of new people, and they were bringing their own music interests to me, you know. And so I kind of was out of the the pop scene, you know. I didn't know what was popular. I didn't know what albums were releasing. People were coming through, you know, I was discovering my love for bands that I had been too elitist to enjoy in high school. Yeah. Um, and so it was it was kind of cool to go back and hear a whole bunch of um a whole bunch of new stuff. Or old stuff, but old hear, stuff that you've never heard before. All again. Yeah. Dude, it's it's like a treasure chest. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> oh my I get so excited where I'm like, how did I not know about this band or this group? Like, especially like with hip hop. Yeah. Because like if you find like a really good like boom bap hip hop group from like the 90s oh God, that you yeah. totally slept on you're like it's like a whole new world yeah yeah my my <laughs> biggest i think you know we we talked a little bit about it um i think when we were touching on actually when we started when we were first talking about when did music become our own like when did our music really start to take shape and one of the big one of the big groups that did it for me was Cypress Hill that was like my first right. foray into hip hop that was beyond like MC Hammer and right. you know that kind of stuff right. and like I knew Biz Markie but I I only knew I only knew I got a man like I didn't know that he was actually a really dope artist besides that I got a man <laughs> oh shit and um but like Cypress Hill was definitely that first thing so I did a whole a whole night in the basement of this is Cypress Hill listen to like all five albums even the rap and rock stuff that they had going for a while that five or Skull six and Bones album is awesome Skull and Bones is pretty good yeah. it is pretty good. I really dig it, but um, but that they were they were definitely the first thing that kind of um, opened me up. And the first thing I heard was Black Sunday. Um, but but when you actually go back and listen to the self titled album, oh my god, it's so good. And it what? was was it ninety two or ninety three? Not even. I don't even think. Yeah. And this it's like, song right here. Yeah. What? The first yeah. time I heard this, I was like, what? Oh. Hang it out the window. 91. 91. Okay, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, uh. 90. Black Sunday must have been 93 then or something. Because. This this record, I mean, Rage Against the Machine did a cover of this, which is great. Oh yeah, and there's some live yeah. footage of Rage and well, Tom Cypress Morello Hill doing like that it. that sample in the background. Yeah. Tom Morello does that so perfect with his guitar style. <laughs> oh man, but this like this whole album is just yeah. so tough. 
Like the first time I heard it, I was like, this is nasty. Yeah. Well, and they, they certainly weren't the like first gangster rap to no, really come out. No. But they were definitely front and center when this like record yeah. came out. And it like to you know, I, I think I think back to um This is before they got gimmicky. Yes. Before yeah, they, yeah. they went into the whole stoner thing and I yeah. just feel like they fell off. Like Yeah, yeah. There's like, like Black one, Sunday like was one song. This and Black weed. Sunday are like in my mind, like in the hip hop pantheon of like great mm. albums ever, yeah, yeah, um, because just not every single song is fucking solid. Yeah, you just put it on, and let it play. Yeah, and be real. I feel like his his vocals were always on point, but he in some interview that I saw, he talks about like his voice, like doing his like nasally voice. Oh yeah, that delivery he, like, is so unique. He did it. He they they were trying to drop. They were trying to put down the tracks for the one song. And they kept doing the vocals and doing the vocals, and like the, it wasn't great. And then he kind of like leaned into the nasal part really hard, and they were like, "That, right? Like that is right. You don't hear that out of anybody. No, else. you and know, as soon was, as you hear yep. him, you know who it is. Yeah. And so, and like, it's not like you know, it's not like Send Dog isn't great. Oh, but, he's great. But be real, like his his vocals and his delivery. But it's their DJ, dude. Yeah. <laughs> the beats. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this... It's the total package. Yeah. Like, listen I... to that. Like, do you hear this shit anymore? No. Like, that is just so tight. Yeah. And then that bridge? It's so perfect. It's like an organ grinder. Bullshit! <laughs> That's so good! Yeah, they, um... They really kind of like solidified what the East Coast sound was gonna be for the next like ten years, mm. and I know that like KRS-One and Boogie Down Productions and a lot of stuff that was coming out of Queens and and the Bronx was was also in that like boom bap world. Um, but as far as like hitting, as far as like hitting, but these guys major were LA, charts. These they were these LA? guys were LA. Oh shit. I thought they were oh shit. Cypress Hill is LA, LA big time. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. Oh well, I'm fucked. That whole Chicano South Central LA. Right, right. Scene. Well, I always thought that their their whole beef with like Ice Cube had something to do with East Coast West Coast. No, that's just fucking. That was yeah. just Ice Cube. They were all from the same place. Yeah. <laughs> well, because this this album basically was like the soundtrack to um, what was the uh, what was the cop movie? Um, shit. Oh. With Robert Duvall and Sean Penn, Colors, Colors. So like this, this song was like. I mean, I'm pretty sure this that that song in particular was like one of the main ones. Yep. No, that makes a lot on, of sense. On the Colors set, because that whole Color soundtrack was like just crazy. L.A. Just all that gangster rap hip hop right. that yeah, it yeah. just. It was just coming out, so it was like brand new. Right. So like the the soundtrack alone just put that and that movie put everything on the map. And it's and it's an awesome movie. You know, I honestly don't think I've seen it. Sean Penn and Robert Duvall play the uh because it was dirty cops in L.A. It wasn't too much longer that Judgment Night came out, and Judgment Night was a whole bunch of yep. rap and that rock whole bands soundtrack together. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Cypress Hill had two songs on it. One with. One with Sonic Youth and one with Pearl Jam. Right. Um, and I think... Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Because the the sort of East Coast gangster rap movement started with... 
Queens and the Bronx, and that was like 89, 90. Boogie Down Productions put out Criminal Minded, I think, in 89. Right. And that was the album where even the rap community was like, you can't say that. <laughs> like, your album cover, you're holding guns and you have gold chains and you have money on the table. Like, you can't do that. And they were like, this is yeah. how we live. So, I... That... That whole movement kind of exploded. But yeah, they will always be... Uh, I think rap rap pantheon is definitely a, a good term for it. This this album just has so many crazy hooks. And they just did so much shit different. Yeah. There's such a different sound. I'm trying to remember it and I have to look it up. And I feel bad because like I should know this shit. Um who the uh I wanted to say it was DJ Lethal, but I could be. Yeah, honest. it is. DJ I mean, Lethal. Uh, right? No, Mugs. DJ Mugs. I'm DJ sorry. Muggs. Yeah. DJ Lethal, Lethal was House, House of Pain. Pain. Yeah. Yeah. But DJ Mugs is ridiculous. Dude. Yeah. I mean, like these samples and like the way that they threw everything together, and then his voice. Yeah. And then what they were saying too. Like I mean, all these songs were just straight up just gangster rap. Like yeah. Oh yeah. And this came out at the same time. When you think about it, it came out the same, almost the same year as uh, nothing but a G thing, and you know the Chronic, right? Doctor Dre's yeah, yeah. the Chronic, which is probably what we're gonna have to segue into because that's like yep. the next huge album. Yeah, yeah. That I, the one of the first ones that I remember growing was up. Chronic two thousand one or was no that? the Chronic. The oh, original. oh, oh, right, right, right. Chronic two thousand one's a great album too. But um. The original Dr. Dre. So, like, when I think... All right, for me, hip-hop was, like... It started off, really, with Tribe Called Quest for me. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's hard for me to, like, even go into this whole thing without even mentioning Tribe Called Quest first. So, like, Midnight Marauders and Low End Theory. Like, those two albums, easily, like, in my top five hip-hop albums of all time yeah, yeah i mean tribe's got two of the five i think because they're just that's my sound for me personally yeah, yeah. um they had that uh they were definitely not gangster rap it was more of a positive vibe yeah um but still hood at the same time but it was just so smooth like nobody sounds like q-tip yeah like that was another rapper like that put them on the mat another mc who just had his own style and like he's I could listen to him you know talk the alphabet. Yeah, he did <clears throat> he did um the conscious rap and he wound up he wound up appearing on so many different oh my oh, god he was like so on much. every record yeah for the longest time because people just everybody people wants just him wanted to come on. And it's crazy because they put out all this stuff at the same time mm. that all the gangster rap was going on. So, like, they completely went their own way, but they stuck yeah. to it. Yeah, yeah, Which is what I love. But you want to talk about, like, just smooth shit that you could just throw on any time. I love the vinyl yeah. sound effects yeah. in it. Ugh. Like, I love Cypress Hill, but, like, Tribe gives me goosebumps every time oh, I yeah. put them on. Well, I think they were. <laughs> I think they were one of the. You know, I don't know how many live instruments they used, but they were definitely pioneers of having 
a live instrument sound and like a DJ who was actually scratching and mixing and oh my god yeah. um nobody is smoother than yeah <laughs> but they have I just they're they're probably my favorite beats like just sound sampling just everything the way everything comes together they're pro- they, they're probably my favorite hip hop group yeah and that's tough tough call do you like their the one that came out a few years ago is it, yeah uh, it wasn't bad we got what is it we got this or thanks for the shit now I can't remember the name of the album it was like thanks for the we'll take it from here or something yeah it was good why can't I think of what it's called that's the one I probably listened to the most um we got it from here that's it we got it from here thank you for your service um because that had we the people on it 2016 which is like, yeah dude we the people is a crazy song and they yeah, have um, fife dog died that year right. they released that album the fife dog died right because they originally broke up in 98 <laughs> but they broke up in 98 and then in 2006 they reunited and went on a tour and then they didn't do shit until 2016, 10 years later. And then Five Dog dies. So right. it was like... And, and they didn't release any of their stuff for streaming until just a couple years ago. Like, it huh. was impossible to get their their live stuff. Like, Or no, I'm thinking... I'm sorry. I'm thinking of um, De La Soul. De La Soul, who is another band, another group who I absolutely adore. Yeah. Very in the same vein as Tribe Called Quest in terms of sound and vibe. Um, but they were doing it before. They were actually the precursor to Tribe Called Quest, De La Soul. Right. Um, did you ever get into them? Uh, not until not until much later. That was yeah. that was three one feet of high the band. rising is like one of the greatest albums of all time. Yeah. And De La Soul, you still it's still like next to impossible. I have all their stuff sent to me from my buddy who's a DJ in New York. He sent me their entire catalog via Dropbox, like MP3s, and because you can't get it anywhere. Because they had some kind of weird contractual disagreement with streaming services and with their lawyers. Like, there was huh. some crazy royalty, like, clause where they couldn't put their stuff on the stream. And it's, like, it's an absolute travesty. Because De La Soul is, like, one of the greatest bands ever. Yeah, Three Feet High and Rising is one that I didn't get to hear until much, much later. I mean, even, like... The, the early 2000s. Yeah, I when didn't... When people started I, I recommending yes. stuff based on what I was listening to. The I heard Three Feet High and Rising only because I had a roommate that lived with me in the late 90s, early 2000s, and he had that CD, and I was like, you have a De La... And the dude was a complete tool, but like he had this De La Soul, Three <laughs> Feet High and Rising CD, and I was like, where the fuck did you get this, right? And... He was what like are you he was, doing. With he was this? like my manager at Ruby Tuesdays, and like me and my buddy Darren just let him live with us because we needed a third roommate, and we just we couldn't stand him. <laughs> Dude, this sounds like a sitcom. We were like two complete like partying savages, and he was like this kind of like straight laced like ex you know former jock who was just like you know he totally looked down on us or whatever. But we made fun of him behind his back the whole time. But anyway, I stole a whole bunch of his CDs. <laughs> Douchebag. Okay, well that got him. Yeah. But like he had De La Soul's Three Feet High <laughs> Rising. And I was just like, I was like, Darren, I was like, I'm stealing this CD. I was like, I'm, he's never getting it back because it's so fantastic. 
Oh. So, uh, Ian McLaughlin, if you're out there, I, I need to make amends, dude. I stole your De La Soul CD. I'm sorry. <laughs> you can't have it back, but I will I will pay you the oh, $12.99. I, I, it's probably, I have no idea where it's at. <laughs> that's, the, that's, that's the sad thing about my CDs, is they're basically in a, a several um, Tupperware bins right now in my underhouse storage, because I have copied them all onto my computer and backed them up on the hard drives and it is just so much easier um you know the it changed my life to be able to put a thumb drive into my car stereo right rather than carry a, a case logic full of cds around yeah um, ipods man they changed yeah the, I, my first 80 gig ipod was like oh. a whole world opened up oh yeah dude i, I mean i was still rocking I, make... I was still rocking the books of cds when i was working at, at wawa yeah because you go in with the disc man yeah and i remember freezer. and i remember what's his name one of those douchebag managers he was like kind of showing your age there dude he's gonna get an ipod and i was like fuck you man I was like, because I had no idea. I was right. so like out of the loop, like because <laughs> like, I was fuck just fuck you. But also, where should I? Yeah, buy where this do iPod? I get this iPod? <laughs> and sure enough, like a week later, I had one, and I was like, oh man, I'm really, I really missed the boat. <laughs> but iPods were like one of the greatest inventions ever, especially with the advent of Napster and mm. um, mm-hmm. LimeWire and all that shit like you completely just obliterated your computer with viruses but yes. you had all this yeah. awesome free music at your fingertips oh yeah people will never like younger people will never understand like what that was like no no <laughs> every time like I would download a full album of somebody or somebody would you know they would they would label something you know live whatever and it would just be a virus but you you'd wind up telling you'd be able to tell eventually as you were downloading stuff whether right. it was the real deal or right. not because you could vote once you could start voting and giving stars to to seeds that's when it became a lot easier to download music without running into issues and viruses oh man but yeah, that's how I found a lot of. I have a couple of live records of of lesser known bands, thanks to LimeWire and stuff like that. Yeah. Just people who recorded live shows and they yeah. put it up there. Oh, dude, like, so much bootleg live what? shit. Yeah, <laughs> some cool shit. Or just like B sides to yeah. stuff that you didn't have access to back then, unless mm-hmm. you went out and bought the actual single. Yeah, and got the B side. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Or, like, the remix of something. Yeah, so, like, when you're broke, like, you're like, I'm not gonna go out and buy a fucking single or an EP. Yeah, my big thing, I used to buy imports. I would go to Rainbow Records yes. and I would buy import CDs yes. just to find, like, the the mix or the, the live version of something that was on it. Yes. Oh, God. Yeah, I would spend hours just, like, looking through all that shit. Um, CD outlet in Norwood in Delco. They had, it was like, a similar... You could buy, like, they just had used CDs for, like, yes. just super cheap. That's what I miss. I used to go into Rainbow the used to the bin listening was just station like, yes. and just find stuff. Yeah. To be like, this looks cool. What does it sound like? And I think one of the, God, one of the, one of the next bands, I'm trying to think of what really kind of, before KRS-One, because KRS-One was a huge turning point for me in hip-hop. Cypress Hill was a big deal. I liked Tupac a lot. I never really got into Biggie. I didn't. I, I know. I know. And it's like, I listen to stuff now and it's Stop. like, I like it. But at the time, he just didn't have, he didn't have the vocal style and the lyrical style that I wanted. Like, I wanted, I wanted 
be real and I wanted Q-tip. Like I wanted right. stuff that was like sharp and fast and poignant. And I, it how's was, Biggie not sharp, fast, and pointed? Well, I don't. Well, that's what I mean. Have you though. not listened to Ready to Die? Well, I mean, probably not enough all the way through. But I felt like every song. Or were you were you exposed to Life After? Because Life After Death was the one that really got popular. I mean, maybe that's the, the for maybe the mainstream. The but like, really, I mean, Ready to Die was like is a masterpiece, like front well, to back. I see. I, I don't even like. I'm not even it. a Life After Death fan. I don't really. There's like two songs on that album that I actually like. Because it got played to death. Right. But, I just remember but Ready to Die. I, I at one point I knew every single word to every song on that album. I just remember hearing mm-hmm. hearing songs and they you know the like people whether it was high school mostly and they would say like this is notorious B.I.G. and they would play it and I felt like he was asleep. Like I felt like he was just kind of like yeah this is my song and I'm just gonna kind of talk through it and I was like this is not it it doesn't excite me mm-hmm. like the beats weren't enough. For me, but I never like I never like hated it. So maybe I need to delve into Ready to maybe Die because that's that's around I the need time. To play you something and like you'll be like, what the fuck is my problem? <laughs> well, this and you know these days I'm always open to that. I'm trying to think, so twenty, 20 years ago I was I'm quite an elitist. Think of the perfect example of like a song off of Ready to Die. I mean every single song. Is, right. I mean it's such a game changer album because like when it came so out in New York, crazy. people were literally bootlegging it. And selling it like, there's a really good movie called um, The Wackness. Uh huh. On uh, I've you, heard of it, but yeah. I haven't seen it. Dude, it literally captures like that whole early '90s hip hop scene in New York City. Oh. Like, and it's like a kid who's selling weed in New York, and he's and it's like all about his like crazy wild summer. That he falls in love with this chick who's like a super rich like New York socialite, and Ben Kingsley plays his therapist who he goes to. <laughs> And it's dude, it's it's one of the better move indie movies in the last okay. fifteen years. The, the Wackness. Wackness, and it has one of the best soundtracks ever. And they literally go into like people are like he goes to the, the, this dealer who's Method Man. Method Man plays his like his main like drug dealer, and he's like, "Yo, have you heard this this album yet?" And it's ready to die. And like and they're like, "Dude, it's blowing up all over the city." Like people are just like passing out the CDs, like bootleg CDs of Ready to Die before. It, it, you know, before it dropped. That's wild. <clears throat> and a lot of it, you know, a lot of it's fake, but a lot of it was true. Like right. how that album actually caught on. And like, I was like, you know, I kind of got on that train one? late. Yeah. But yeah, it's no, like, he I... has songs where he'll do different characters in the song and he does a different voice. Like, and I didn't realize till like years oh. later that he was like, it was him on both of those tracks, but just doing two different Oh. You know what I mean? Like cadences in his voice. One of the best storytellers next to Nas. Like you got Nas, well, Biggie. Say, Illmatic is where I was going. Dude, next. Yeah, I mean, but we'll get yeah, into we'll, Illmatic. We'll talk whole about another, Ready to Die. Because I'm intrigued by the fact yeah. that, like, I seriously have always thought of him as kind of like a. Like He's a one of the best storytellers kind of, ever. God damn it. Well, that's what I want out of hip hop. Like, most every other example of stuff that I really like is just it's, that. It's, it's about it's, storytelling. It's this song. It's Give Me the Loot, where it's, it's literally one of the most horrifying songs ever. Like, it's literally just about fucking robbing people. But okay. it's it's about robbing people, but it's also about, like, getting double-crossed by uh, people that you're doing. The guy, he was a drug dealer. So, right. like, he's getting... But the whole story behind the song is just so crazy. And he does two different voices. I'm ready to get this paper G. You with me? Motherfucking right. My pockets looking kinda tight. That's two different that's him doing both voices. 
Just grab the fucking gap. The first pocket that's fat. The tech is to his back. Word is born. I'm a smoke. Yo, don't fake no moves. What? Treat it like we goes back and forth. Two dudes talking. From the pistol whipping. What's on the neck from the necklace stripping. Then I'm dipping up the block. And I'm robbing bitches too. Up the heavy bones and bamboos. I wouldn't give a fuck if you paid her. Give me the baby rings. And the number one mom pendant. I'm slamming niggas like Shaquille. Shit is real. When it's time to eat a meal. I rob and steal. Crazier than a bag of fucking angel dust When I bust my gap, motherfuckers take dirt naps I'm all that and a dime sack Where the paper at? Dude Holy shit Come on <laughs> Holy shit That motherfucker ain't sleeping Give me the loot, give me the loot No, no, I will admit that he is not It took me a while to Hearing this song to actually pay attention and be like, dude, he's playing two different characters in the song. Step into the weight with your blood on my shirt. Here he goes. Different. Raises his voice off. From the Beretta. The money gets up. Yeah, oh dude, my god. That song. Google knows. I just typed in R-E-A and it was like, ready to die? Ready to die? Is that what you want? Creepy as fuck. It is. It's like, we're always listening. What year was this album? 94. Yeah, okay. So this is my freshman year in high school. Yeah. So I, well that's, I mean, I, I will admit I am ready to listen to this whole album. And, because I just kind of wrote it off. You know, like, the the stuff that they like to play was, like, the blowjob skit from... I don't know if that's from this album or, or Life After Death or whatever. That's on this album, actually. But, but it's... But, like, like that's what... Yeah. That's what all the kids in yeah. school were playing, and I was like, this actually, is I, no, dumb. No, that might be from Life After Death. <laughs> I was like, this I forget. is dumb. I yeah. don't want to listen to this. Yeah, skits... There's not but, many skits on this one. Oh, man. But like, no, that's good. I'm I'm glad... I'm glad you could give me a different perspective on it because I would never, you know, I wouldn't have bothered to really go back and listen to it. If you do <laughs> otherwise. If you do check it out on um Spotify, check out the re- the, the remaster. So okay. like everyone's remastered and then they add in like three or four of like my favorite B-sides which is like unbelievable um who shot you like they threw in they just threw them in like at the end of the album where they just kind of like pushed them in there. Oh, goodness. But it was like <laughs> this album. I remember just listening to it. This is like he's got like his message machine of all these chicks calling him, looking for him. But when it when it comes in with the beat. I'm similar to the thriller in Manila. Honey's call me bigger than the condom filler. Whether it's stiff tongue or stiff smith, I get That beat is so good. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Then he's got the one song here that he does with um with Method Man. Mm-hmm. The What? Which was like, because they were boys. And I remember listening to this nonstop. 
because I was such a huge Wu-Tang fan. And I was like, oh my god, Biggie and Method Man on the I same track. <laughs> and it's hard as shit. Here he comes. I like that overlap. That's nice. Nobody's smoother than Method Man, dude. Come in where you rest at, surrender Step inside the ring, use the number one contender Looking cold booty like your pussy in December Make a stop bitching, parting up your lippin' From method all you the members, the, the members of Wu-Tang Clan have had some of the greatest solo careers That's a whole nother podcast Like I mean, Wu-Tang is like Tribe and Wu-Tang are my, that's my shit See, I never, I never listened to Wu-Tang either It took, it took Somebody in college being like, no, 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 no. Yeah. If you like hip hop, you need to listen to this. Yeah. I didn't get into them until college, really. Yeah. Because, like, college is where, like, I I had a bunch of fraternity brothers that were all these fucking white dudes. That's all they listened to was, like, was Wu-Tang and all their fucking solo albums. I had been exposed to it, but, like, 36 Chambers in high school. But, like, I I didn't really follow up on a lot of the solo stuff that they did. And then... Wu-Tang Forever dropped my first year of college, and it was like, like, it was huge. Yeah, I feel like Cream is the only song that I ever knew. Right. Before somebody was like, right. no, 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 yeah. listen to this. No, it's a whole other wormhole. Um, but yeah, I've really, I think I've really liked a lot of what Method Man and Red Man have done on their solo stuff, and, and, and joint albums, and anytime they, they show up on a track, it's I always love Red good. Man. Redman has. I'm not a fan of like his whole albums per se because sometimes there's a lot of skits, and a lot of them are hit or miss. But he has one album called Dirty Waters that he put out like okay. in the late '90s, and it's like absolute banger. Like it was his peak, um, and I remember listening to that album just nonstop. So like, if there's Dirty a Redman album I can recommend. It's definitely it's either Dirty Waters or Muddy Waters. I forget. It's one of those, but it's from like the late '90s. And it's got just, I mean, Redman's a whole different style. Like he's, yeah, you know, yeah, as yeah. soon as you hear him, well, that's what was so cool about. It's very Wu-Tang irreverent. And he's that Jersey sound. Yeah, muddy waters, muddy waters. Yeah. Um. But that was the. The first time when him and um, Method Man kind of got together, and they did uh, that song "Whatever Man," yeah, which was like the first one where they were like people were like, "Oh, okay," and then the Blackout album, which was ridiculous. Red Man, Method Man, Blackout. And this isn't even the best. That this was the this was the popular song off of this album. It was the one that got the most play. But I, I think there's so many other better songs on here. Mm-hmm. Like the beat on this song. It's probably my favorite Red Man song of all time. Rock the Spot. Uh, Redman's so funny. Like, he's got, like, one of the best senses of humor out of any of the MCs ever. Like, his shit is just so dirty and raunchy and funny. <laughs> he's a lot of fun. 
but he also comes from the same area as another band that was hugely influential in my hip hop uh, appreciation, which is Naughty by Nature. Yes, the Jersey sound. Oh man, uh, Naughty by Nature is another one of those um, early '90s pantheon bands. Yeah, there was there was hip hop was starting in the '70s, and then you know in the '80s it kind of got snagged up by a lot of you know pop culture maestros that wanted to c- turn it and conform it into something mainstream that they could sell and i think naughty hip, by nature hip pop hip pop yeah. yeah naughty by nature and onyx were two bands that just kind of like kicked the door open in yeah. the early 90s and they were like no we're still going to do it we're still going to do it this way like run dmc I will I will always appreciate Run DMC for the for the mainstream that they got, but I never got into their sound because it it always felt kind of flat to me. Yeah, I'm not a re- I'm not a big Run DMC. Fan but like, either. I will always appreciate that they were like, yeah, I respect them. The first sort of right. you know, but that's not my huge yeah. step. But Naughty by Nature is one of those bands that was like, no, we're gonna we're gonna rap about whatever the fuck we want. Yeah, and you're gonna love it. Um, that I will I will always remember well plus they were able to take really accessible beats and bring it to the white mainstream like right like when people like you know they're a, a hardcore hip-hop band but when this song dropped every white dude in the suburbs was dancing to this song right, yeah. at every dance like dude i shook my oh, ass yeah. to this song so many times oh yeah like as soon as this comes on everybody rushes the floor like this and um hip-hop array like like God and Papa Ray. Yeah. But this was the first song I remember going to dances as a kid and yep. like and just watching girls lose their fucking minds Seventh because like grade, this shit would come grade. on. Yeah. Yeah. The Bonner mixers. Yeah. And it was got my favorite delivery. Yeah. Tretch is yeah, so yeah. fast. One of the fastest rappers ever did. Well, and this is this is what really took me into the world of wanting that like fast solid lyrical that was also clear so good. yeah nothing irks me more than than mumble rap now and it's yeah. it's because i was brought up on this right right but also their dj another genius but yeah very few very few rap groups made something that was this that was still hard but was also really accessible by the mainstream (laughs) DJ KG KG okay and the thing about KG that's great like so in Spotify if you go into their catalog you can find a literally a remix of every one of their songs that he's done he did yeah originally in the studio when they were making the album so it's not like an afterthought like he was just like, yo, I'm gonna remix this. And, yeah. And they're fucking tight as shit. Some oh of them my are. God. Some of them That's are. Awesome. I literally went down a Naughty by Nature wormhole one day on Spotify where I was just like, and it turned into one of my playlists, um, hip hop remixes and B sides that I made. It was like a three, four hour playlist that I went through like all my favorite artists and I went through all of the remixes of all of their all of their shit. That's and awesome. And I put it into one playlist and it's like one of my favorite playlists of all time. But like Naughty by Nature by far had the most like remixes of their original cuts. That's awesome. And it's KG that does it, not some other asshole right. like, ten years later I was gonna say, trying to do dubstep, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. 
you know he was probably doing it too after everybody went home. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody went out to the bar, and he's like, "I'm yeah. gonna stay KG's here." KG's an absolute savage in, in, in the studio, dude. One of my favorite DJs ever. Like the beats that he and the hooks, like just nobody's even close. Mm. And of course, like anybody that is a Tony Hawk fan, was this probably the first time they ever heard this song in the tail on the donkey. Yeah. As soon as I hear this, I automatically think of Tony Hawk. <laughs> I just want to Ollie. Uh, this was their oh, this was their first album. It literally has like five or six just complete bangers on insane. it, like number one hits. It's got OPP, Pin the Dale on the Donkey, Let the Hose Go, yeah, Everything's Gonna right. Be All Right, OPP, and then this song, which is I think is like this is the quintessential. Naughty by Nature song right here. Uptown Anthem. That face. That piano hook. Yeah, I can't. I can't abide anybody who says that that rap is not an art, and I know that there's a lot of I know that there's a lot of people out there who think that it that because it's not typically musicians playing instruments. I mean, you have you have groups like the Roots where they do a whole bunch of their music live. They play Beastie real Boys instruments too. and they do it the Beastie Boys like. But the I think I think that there is something. It's a truly American art form, just like jazz. It's the one, two of the two things that we can call our own that nobody else has right. in America. Um, jazz really started it all. I mean, it all starts with jazz, sure, yeah, and yeah. then it morphed into everything else. But like hip hop is just an offshoot of that. Hip hop, R and B, you know, they all go back to jazz. Mm-hmm. But like hip hop really just evolved like on its own, mm-hmm. and I feel like it's such a beautiful piece of like american art form that, well, like, and it's, it's truly ours and it's a culture too right you know it's a it's a full-on it's a full-on culture of 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 with history and and language and i i think that it's some of the most incredible communication and storytelling in music because i think that <laughs> for it's it's one thing to be able to write lyrics that rhyme it's another to be able to deliver them rhythmically at the speed at which a lot of really really good hip-hop does right. and like <clears throat> i think that is that is grossly overlooked by a lot of just in general music appreciators for um for what hip-hop is and i think i think a lot of people find different things that they like about it i'm definitely in that world of like drums and vocals are what really kind of drives me to it, you know? Right. And then hooks and things like that are very secondary. And I think a lot of the... I think that's a problem with a lot of... I think hooks is what, what, what drives me. Like, yeah. I hear a good hook, and that's when I'm like, okay. I mean, hook, <laughs> hooks and beats, and then, I mean, vocals, of course. But, like, I think, like, that hook... Like yeah, the, yeah. The one thing that draws you in. And, like, in rap, it's kind of all together. You know what I mean? You can't really separate... It's hard to separate. It's them. true. It's true. I think I think that when I can pinpoint something that I don't like, it's usually because 
it doesn't have a driving drum beat right, or right. because the lyrics are kind of slow and sloppy or right. it just doesn't appeal to me. But it really is kind of a whole a whole meal together. Cause yeah, I can't I can't overlook things like, you know, if I hear Oh, ghetto boys. Then I'm like, whoa, oh, yeah. oh, and I like jump out it's of the one seat. Of the greatest Has nothing to do with time. drums or lyrics, yeah. but that. <laughs> yep. You're going to make me play that. Yep. <laughs> ghetto boys is another great band. That oh, my song, God. That song was so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. This, uh, this is um, Naughty by Nature's 1993. <laughs> yes. So, literally, this album, I used to sit in my backyard and play basketball. And just listen to this on repeat and piss my parents off so bad. My mom would come out and be like, turn that shit off. <laughs> like, I loved how it pissed my parents off. Oh, like, because yeah. hip hop, like, people hadn't really seen, like, gangster rap and, like, hip hop at that time was, like, basically like Black Sabbath, like, in the 60s and 70s right. to, like, parents. Yeah, so yeah. it was like, what? Because I loved all my parents' music. I can't, nothing was, I couldn't offend them with that. Right. So hip hop was the most natural mm. progression of mm-hmm. like teen ang- that and like some of the grunge shit you know that was just so loud and aggressive. See, that's what did it for me, right? Because my sister was a dancer and my dad was a DJ for parties and weddings and things like that. So like to a certain extent, they understood the appeal of of hip hop. I mean, my dad still didn't like he wouldn't have liked anything too far gangster rap, right, that's for sure. Right. And no, my parents can't stand it. He didn't like a lot of the dance music that he played, but he could he got it. Right. It was definitely messy, loud guitars and stuff that that drove them crazy. But but yeah, I think that I think that this this that also that time period in the 90s too was was kind of um just like a revolutionary time in general for bands and the music industry and like so many things were changing so fast from vinyl and albums to cassettes and then to singles yes. and then to CDs right. and then it like you know it didn't get really get into a lot streaming in 10 years until LimeWire and Napster yeah. and shit from like, like that from like 1990 started. to 2000 a lot went on in yeah, terms there was, of like the industry yeah i can't really get down with people that don't appreciate hip hop. It's it's really a fucking snobby thing with me. So like I it's don't. It's a good litmus test. And though. I think like and I think the problem is is like a lot of white people are so like just terrified of like black music. Sure. Yeah. And that's like their skate. They're like, oh, I just don't like rap. And it's like, no, you don't. There's something way deeper than that because you can't just sit here and listen to this shit. Tell right. me this doesn't make you want to get up and fucking move or right, like right. do something. You or what, what you mean? what you can admit is that most of the music you're listening to come from blues. Right. It comes right. from jazz. So well, you'll like, sit there and you'll listen to this fucking country music garbage line dancing bullshit, but you can't listen to this? Like, come on. Like, I don't get it. So, like, it's a hard thing. Like, when I talk to somebody and I'm like, and then hip-hop comes up and people are like, oh, I don't I, I don't listen to rap. And I'm like, yeah. Uh, like you said, it's, it's, a, it's a litmus test for me. Yeah. I'm almost like, I'm like yeah. turned off. I'm like, yeah, I don't know if we could be friends. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'd be the nicest person in the world. I'm sure. Like, I don't think we could be friends. Yeah, no, if it doesn't move you in some way or another. Like I said, there's so many aspects to it that are like, whether it's, oh, I, you know, like the beat, I can really move to it. Or, oh, my God, like the his, his the vocal performance is amazing. Um, there's got to be something about it that actually, you know, you connect with or talk to. And that's sort of where it was uh, all around this time in the 90s. Um, 
you know, one of my favorite hip hop artists was making music, but I did not discover him or listen to him until 1999 or 2000. And that's KRS one, like his whole, um, conscious rap, you know, you know, they, they, they did, um, he did a song with self-destruction that was sort of like, you know, the, the line in it is self-destruction. Don't pay the fucking rent. And it's like, Oh, this and this album is probably my favorite. Return of the Boom Bap is like it's his first. It's his first album, second second album, second album as KRS One. Before that, it was Boogie Down Productions. But this record, there's a song on here called Black Cop. There's a song on here called Brown Skin Woman, which is all like uplifting. He's like, you're a queen, you're not a hoe. Then this is Sound of the Police, which is way before its time. He starts talking about how an officer is just an overseer. It's actually like, right on time. This is from 90, 93. Well, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, NWA was the first band to really put that whole thing on the map in yeah. the early 90s. Like, they were like, what, 90, 91? Straight out of Compton. Yeah. So, like, that, I mean, that, you want to talk about the birth of real gangster <laughs> the, the birth rap? of Fuck the Police, That was yeah. fucking NWA, no doubt. And, and I, I like NWA, don't get me wrong, but it's not something that, like, I would sit and listen to. Yeah, yeah. I, I really like, I find I really some like of their easy, stuff but... really good, but it's like, I had a roommate that was really into them, and he played straight out of Compton all the time, and I just got so burnt out on it. But 1988. 88, right. Holy shit. So, totally, they were the innovators in terms of, like, that whole movement. Really. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I think the 90s artists perfected it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they... Once Dre and Snoop and, like, a lot of the, the West Coast sound took over, like, it was just... And then East Coast, you had Nas, you had Wu-Tang Clan, mm-hmm. you had Jay-Z, you had the whole... I mean, the whole New York movement. I mean, like, it's hard for me, like, because I love oh, both yeah. East Coast and West Coast. I mean, I'm partial because I'm from Philly, so it's like You're right. I'm partial to East Coast. But there's just so much like, why limit yourself? Because there's so much good music, yeah, on the West Coast. It's true, yeah. I I certainly can't really take sides, especially since the even like in the East Coast in New York, the boroughs were fucking were fucking going after each other. Yeah, and like his his sound, KRS One sound, kind of changed evolved as as the years went on too he's got a song called um do you see if let him have it is on there by krs one that's just one i think it's let him have it um the album no it's a no it's just a song um just be just for like the beat the beat that Do you know what album it was on oh god no, one of his earlier ones he, from like the nineties. No, this was a this was a later one that it sort of eventually. Uh, let um, em have it. Is uh, oh, that was a oh big, wow, that's a big L song. I was gonna say there's a lot of different. So there's also a Tupac oh, man, song dude, called I Let Him lo- Have It. Yeah, I love Big L. That's a whole other oh that album. Another guy that got killed like way before like, yep. he even got a chance to do anything. No, I don't want to call Scott. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, he got. Um, Fuck! I totally yeah. slept on Big L. KRS One's DJ Scott LaRock was another one of the like major um, gang-related like hip-hop murders that happened. Um, Who? Uh, Scott LaRock's right. KRS One's DJ. Um, no, this isn't it. What am I thinking of? Um, 
KRS one. Let um have it. Maybe that's not. Man, I suck. Dude, I didn't get into this album until later on. Oh yeah, it's from Keep Right. That's the album. His put it on him. Yeah, it's this was one of this whole album so ridiculous. This was one of my gym albums that I would go and I would I would do like my hour lifting routine and I would just listen to this album from beginning to end. This album and Black yeah. Moon. Mm. Did you ever get into Black Moon? Uh, the band. Yeah, isn't that um, Be Real and No? I'm thinking of something else. I'm thinking of No. I guess not. I'm thinking of there was a Black Moon, Moon album that was Black Moon. The album was End of the Stage from '93. It's one of the most influential New York hip hop albums ever that a lot of people don't know about. No, I was gonna say I don't know it. I'm thinking of uh, you would know the song if you heard like um, Who Got the Props as soon as you heard it. This whole album is so deep. But they had that New York gangster rap style that, like, really flew under the radar. But, like, got picked up by, like, Big L, Jay-Z, Nas. But this album, oh, my God, so tight. You don't remember this song? Who got the props? Uh, Maybe. I mean, I really, I didn't. I'm looking at the album cover, and I recognize the album cover. 92. The whole album, like every song, is tight. Uh, There was was just It's a song. That's what I was thinking of. It's a song called Black Moon. That is it's the Deftones and Be Real. That's what I was thinking. There was just so many good, like incredibly good hip hop groups that were just blown like just popping up out of nowhere in the early to mid nineties. It's like unheard of. Like there's and I'm still learning. Like I'm still picking up like and then like because I have friends that are DJs. Like I have two friends that were New York DJs. And so, like, I'll be like, I'll play this. I'll be like, yeah, they know that I'll, deep I'll, shit. I'll be like, yeah. And I'll be like, dude, how have you not let me know about, like, Black Moon? He was like, Wait, oh, you mean End of the Stage? The greatest, one of the greatest hip-hop albums of all time? He was like, okay, white boy, why don't you know about this album? Like, <laughs> that sounds like a you problem. Yeah. I think that, uh, yeah, I think that there was, also at the time... You know, there's a, there's a much different there's a much different delivery system today with stuff like Spotify and yeah. and digital content. Like you can you can hear I, more artists are exposed worldwide, even even just through you know like you know friends or just basic internet you know than than record companies were allowing to happen in the '90s. Because in the 90s, you made money by selling records, and so you threw all your eggs in one basket. When a band got hot, you promoted them, you put them on tour, you did the single, you did a remix of the single. All, with but it. back then, it was all word of mouth, and it was the Slim and Bobito show 
on New York. So like, right. have you heard about that? No. So it was like a whole documentary on. It. It's one of the. It's one of the most seminal radio. There are two DJs in New York City, and they used to run the Slim and Bobito show. So it would be it would be on from like midnight until six in the morning in New York City on the local radio station, and they would that's all they would that's do they was play oh. brand new like artists would come in and they would just like give them their their demo tapes and shit and like come in and freestyle on the air, and like that's how like that's how Jay Z Big L that's how they all got started Holy on shit. on the on the the Bobito show. And it's like there's a whole documentary I had no idea because this was like just a little bit before my time, like sure. very early '90s. Well, yeah, I imagine it wasn't until they started gaining popularity that record labels would actually, you know, say, "Oh, you've got, you've got the potential to make a lot of money, so we're gonna, we're gonna support you now." Stretch and Bobito. But yeah, nobody Stretch and Bobito. Stretch and Bobito show. Okay. You know what I'm gonna have to do? I'm gonna have to put a bunch of I'm gonna have to put a bunch of links. Start putting links in the in the podcast. So every time we talk about somebody, I'm gonna have to pause the the podcast so I can put a link together. Yeah, to make sure people can find this stuff. This is how Big L blew up. This was his first. Yeah, this is a just a mixtape. He just came on, did freestyle. It's one of the greatest freestyles of all time. And then Jay Z comes in and they go back and forth. Nine minutes. It's literally nine minutes of this same beat and Big L and Jay Z going back and forth, like battling each other, freestyling. It's like absolutely insane. And like the shit that they spit. I've never even heard of this like radio station, so now I have to go down this rabbit hole. But he just like walks up on the show and just starts killing it. Oh shit! Oh, he's nasty, dude. And the best you hear the DJs in the background. Freestyle, yeah. Fuck off. I'm not a big Jay Z fan, to be honest. But when he was young and hungry, he was really good. And the shit he spits on this song is my, by far my favorite piece of Jay Z work of all time. Because he just has like that. They basically start like. They like mimic each other's vibe, and then when one of them like switches his cadence up, the other one does it too, oh, and they just shit. go back and forth. It's like a ballet. It's ridiculous. I'm gonna have to listen to this whole thing. Jay Z has one of one of the best voices. He does. I'm not a huge fan either, but uh, his delivery is awesome. Here it comes. Watch this. He just walks in. Check it out now. Hey, yo, what? Brothers can beg and borrow. Still feel sorrow with Jay Z like sorrow. Get in that ass. Better luck tomorrow. I'm too much, nigga, so never should you rush. You need to slow down or get your ass toe down. Check it out. I'm too cocky to stop me. You gotta kill me. And when I'm gone, you can still feel me. On the real beat. Eternal, I rock the heavens well. The song that really turned me around on Jay Z, because again, I was I was living that '90s hip hop life, and I didn't I didn't want to have anything to do with with anything that was produced after 
1997, really. 90s um, when hip hop really died. Yeah. yeah. Um, on the Blueprint 3, he's got a song called On to the Next One. Yeah. And that is the song. Dude, I used to use that he's as still, a sound check in yeah. theaters Every just to test while, the He comes the out bass. with a really, he'll have good singles. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that was, that was the song where I was like, okay, I guess I can't. Can't be an elitist dick out, anymore. His album a few him. years ago was actually had some bangers on it. Oh but, yeah, but with Tom get... Ford and yeah, no, that was that was it was pretty good too. It was pretty good. And he owns title. Yeah, yeah. Magna Carta, the Holy Grail, from 2013. Right. Holy Grail, yeah. Dude, that album is ridiculous. It's really good. The beats on that are this, really good. They're unlike anything else that he dude, did. When I first time I heard this song, I literally played this for like two days straight. Fuck with me, you know you know I got it. Just comes yeah. into the bass. Oh. It's one of my favorite hip hop songs of all time. It's pretty good. It's so good. It's pretty solid. It's on every one of my workout. On my hip hop workout list. Is that Rick Ross? Probably. Yeah. Yeah, that's a sick beat. Yeah, it was a pretty good. It was a pretty good album. I was genuinely impressed with the the production of oh, it. Oh, dude, he. Um, yeah, I mean, he's got all the best of the best. Yeah, it's it's really easy to hate the guy with the most money and the yes. most fame. Um, but he has some. He's but it's definitely good. one of it's the most good. important hip hop artists of all time, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, he changed the game pretty much. God, I feel like there's like there's so many the black albums. <sighs> just ridiculous. Black. Have you ever heard uh, Danger the Gray Mouse? album? Oh my ah, god, it's so good. It's incredible. It's so much better. Yeah. Like I'm so glad you know about that. Oh, the I will never forget the day that uh, you know, my buddy burned it for me. Yes, and he was me just too. Like, he was just me like, too. you've got to listen to this. I was like, what's yeah. this? He's like, DJ Danger Mouse. Yes. Just mixed Jay Z's black album and the, Beatles, the Beatles white, white album. album, and I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> This he oh that's Danger Mouse is another DJ that is extremely I mean I don't necessarily know if he's underrated but as far as like knowing a DJ or knowing a producer Danger Mouse and, and Gemini have some of the most incredible songs together Danger Mouse and Gemini are great but like everything he touches is just is super original It's so crazy, like when you look up stuff on here and what you actually get on Spotify. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't even know if like you can get this still. I I don't think you can because he put it out for free. He just put it on the internet. The only reason I still have it digitally is because I I burned it onto my computer yeah, and have saved it, it to I the have cloud it somewhere, and, and I have no idea where it's at. Um. Yeah, it says album by Danger Mouse, which is technically true. Um, 
<laughs> you would think um, it would be on title. Yeah. Uh, if you can probably find it on YouTube, for the most part. The um, God, yeah, Danger Mouse has a uh, God. What's his song with Gemini? That's called um, hold on. Uh, Danger Mouse and Gemini. According to YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shh. I know who they are. Just stop. Uh, Ghetto Pop Life. Also, um. This was also around the same time uh, Danger Mouse did stuff with Farside. I actually saw the Farside live when they opened for Corn. I love Farside. When I when I was a junior in high school, I went to Philly to see Corn at the Electric Factory because that was my shit. And the Farside opened for them, and it was an incredible. They got booed because the audience was a bunch of metalheads, right? Who didn't? Yeah, want that's a bad to do booking, it. right there. It was, and I I understand what Corn was trying to do, but right. like, you know, it was stuff that influenced them that yeah. they wanted to take on tour with them. But they were amazing. They were actually outside. We went outside, you know, like hoping we'd get to see Corn or whatever after the show. And the far side actually came out of the back doors. And my buddy Bob and I were just like, that was fucking awesome. The people in there were fucking dicks. You guys were great. And they were like, thanks. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. You know, like, but they were so chill about it. But you oh, could yeah. tell they were also like, this has been a rough tour. It's been a rough tour of fucking white people throwing shit at us because they don't like hip hop. Don't do drugs by Danger Mouse and Gemini. That's the song. Um, it's just it's just got one of the greatest beats, and I think Gemini is such a fucking tight rapper. Um, don't do drugs is probably my favorite record or favorite song off that uh, Ghetto Pop Life album. Ah. Uh, so it's I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this album before we stop. Okay. Is uh, Dr. Dre's The Chronic from 1992. Although I love The Far Side, and this is probably my favorite Far Side song. Yeah. This and Passing Me By. You they know, were just good. They were such one, a, right? like, chill hip-hop. Yeah. <clears throat> and really Passing Me By was the one that I remember from growing up. I didn't get yeah. into this song until later on. I heard it on a, a movie or I heard it somewhere. I know it's on the it's on the 8 Mile soundtrack. Okay. And I think it's on the Wackness soundtrack as well. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. Oh, the far side. But Passing Me By was the one that I remember. Because it was about having a crush on a teacher. You remember that? <laughs> I don't know. She I never actually listened to it. Passing Me By. Oh. You remember that one? Oh, God. Yeah, no, I do. But I never knew that. The whole song is about him having a crush on his teacher. <laughs> I never listened to it. Yeah, you got to listen to the lyrics. They're genius. Oh They're really, really good. But the song, I mean... The one that, this was the song that basically just like put gangster rap on the map. Yep. Possibly the biggest hip hop song of all time. That California sound right there, man. And the video. The video is possibly like the greatest hip hop video of all time. All it is just like dudes walking around with 40s. Like, I'd never seen a low rider in my life and I was like, where the fuck did these cars come from? That's the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, I wanted to live in South Central. Oh, yeah. But it just had such a smooth delivery. 
Snoop Dogg, like nobody had heard anybody like Snoop Dogg before. Yeah. He's fucking incredible too. Doggy Style is one of my favorite hip hop albums of all time. Yep. Every single song is good. Yep. And these two dropped at like the same time, basically. This one came out and then a year later Doggy Style dropped. Like you couldn't stop Dr. Dre in the in the nineties, dude. Easily the best beat maker of all time. Just pure, just beats, hooks. He invented a whole sound. And he can rap. Another song that I knew every single word to, probably still do. Like even people that didn't like rap heard this song and yep. they were like, "This is really good." Yep, yep. The and, same and, with California Love. Yeah, and the video that, like, was on like a constant loop, so like there's no way you could get away from it. And my parents hated it. Till the next episode. (sighs) I mean, it just had so many... So many hits. Mm -hmm. Fuck with Dre Day. This is my favorite song on the album, though. It's also the I think the 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 birth of Biatch as well. Biatch. <laughs> I never heard that before. I heard Dre and Snoop Dogg. Creeping. Oh. It's such a different sound. Like he just had such a different way of like producing. Yeah, and he had all these years of experience because, like, he was like, yeah, he was a serious DJ for years. Well, like, and it, like the biggest, I think the biggest difference too is is in the. Did in you the see the drums, movie? Did in you the, see the Straight Outta Compton movie? No, I haven't actually. Dude, so good. The um, the drum, like the beat delivery, was so different. Like this is just like kind of steady and laid back instead of really kind of thumping and driving into yeah. you know. But it was all these are are just old seventies samples right. that he stole from just R and B artists from the seventies and just re looped them. Like my parents would be like, I know that song. They're yeah. like, that's from yeah. Sly and the Family Stone or that's from so and so like disco band, you know what I mean? Right. He just took everything and just made it his own. Because, like, nobody was really doing, like, the sampling that he was doing until, like, he was the one that started that whole taking from, like, all the awesome music from the 70s. Right. And be like, listen to these hooks. Right. Instead of it being break beats or yeah, something that they were scratching, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, rap was so, like, hard-edged. And then, like, he was like, how about we take this? Right. How about we remix Blondie and make right. it a loop? And, like, he could yeah. just do it on a loop, but then he would throw in a bass line and then, like... It was just so ahead of its time. And this whole album was just so indicative yeah, man. of that. To be a studio bass player in L.A. back in the day, you would have gotten a lot of work. Like, all right, we have everything done except we need a little bit of bass. I mean, there's literally not, like, there's, from the, the 90s, like, James Brown and Steely Dan are sampled in, like, every fucking right. impressive song from the 90s. Steely Dan is the most sampled band 
in hip hop history. Oh my God, that's funny. And then James Brown is like right there. Right. But like, and then like you had like Sly and the Family Stone, the Commodores, like all those great R&B groups from the 70s. And then they stole from jazz music. Like they would hear jazz hooks, like Diggable Planets, that song, like that jazz hook. Oh, man. And nobody cared until Vanilla Ice robbed Queen. <laughs> that's when that's when people went, wait a minute, you can't do that. You can't sample this. And then this song. I mean, this was the other one that dropped when this dropped, I remember in high school. Oh, fucking Nas. His rewind song still gets me. Illmatic, Stillmatic, and It Was Written are three of like the greatest albums of all time. He's easily the best storyteller in hip hop history. Well, and that's why I like rewind so much. That that whole song. The whole song is like, I'm going to tell you a story, but I'm going to tell you in reverse. It's so good. And this was the first time we heard Lauren Hill. Oh, okay. So that's Lauren Hill in the background through the whole song. And then in the chorus, she comes in. And I was like, who is that? Oh. And then the Fugees came out at the same right. time. Which is one of my favorite albums of all time. The, the score by the Fugees. The score is great. Every single song is good on that. But Lauren Hill had the she had the most beautiful voice, man. Yeah. And she was so hot. Well, and she was just she was fucking powerful. With she was it, super you know? smart. Yeah. She was Columbia educated. Like she knew a lot. And she like and she wouldn't take shit from anybody. Yeah. And she was one of the fiercest. MCs like she would out rap dudes like if you listen to some of the shit off the score like dude I would put that up against some of the best rapping oh, yeah. male or female no, ever she's, ever she's phenomenal Miseducation of Lauren Hill is a modern classic yep but like the Fuji stuff she did was just some of the kids in the dance program where I work uh, the, the hip hop dancer used Ready or Not a remix of Ready or Not um, and the kids, kids, they're all like, they're all like eight and nine years old. They're like, what is this song? What's this new song? What's this? We like this. And we're like, oh, children. Oh, let me tell you. Oh, little ones. Oh, uh, the best thing about, so that Fuji La song, it's got three different remixes. Okay. And they're all good. And I never realized it until like years later when I bought the album and I listened to it and I was like, yes. I'm trying, I'm trying this to is find. also, dude, this is when I fell in love with Wyclef. Yes. And like Wyclef's his, genius. his whole solo Praz, career, yeah. I love it. This was it. This, this beat on this is, so this is the, the Sly and Robbie mix of okay. Fujila. Oh, no. It's the most ridiculous beat ever. It's better than the original. Oh, yes. 
damn tall, stay mellow. All that gun talk would have thought you die yellow. Another band that had a whole different sound. Oh yeah. It's like it's like taking a perfect song and making it even more perfect. It's like how do you do that? <laughs> how did you accomplish? How did this? you do that? Oh. Uh. Well, I imagine we're going to have to, you know, like many of the topics we discuss, we're going to have to revisit and continue building because I, you know, I wanted to talk about Missy Elliott. And we didn't get into Wu Tang. Yeah, none of like none of that. We didn't really get oh, into. We just touched the tip of the iceberg on Nas. Lady of Rage was another nineties. <laughs> There's so much more. Yeah, hip hop is such a huge topic, and that's not even getting into like more modern stuff. Right. You know. Right. I mean, we're just we're like you know in in our era in the nineties. <laughs> Shit. Which, I mean, really, I mean, it's the greatest era of hip-hop, in my it opinion. Is. It is. I'm I think, biased, but... I think, there are, I think there are some notables that have definitely come out since, you know? I'm like, I love I love Outkast. I love R.A., the rugged man. You know, there's a lot of good stuff that, that um, has come out since. But a lot of the stuff that I like that's come out since is inspired by the, the 90s hip-hop, so... Ugh. Mm. She was so good. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> you can't play this at like a at it like a our generation party without people being like, nope. oh my god. Nope. Oh, fuck. Kids these days don't fucking know. They don't know. Yeah, I want to. I want to listen to this whole album now tonight on the way home. I used. There was a summer one year when I was like in my partying days where I was obsessed with this album. I would get done work at UPS and I would go to my uncle's pool uh-huh. and I would literally just sit there and get drunk and listen to this album for like three hours, like just <laughs> on a loop, just nonstop. And like that was my life, like every day <laughs> for like a whole summer. That's what it reminds me of. It's like 1999. Cause like I knew about this album, and I loved the hits that were on it, but I didn't actually get into the album itself right. until a, year, a couple years later. Yeah, yeah. And I fell in love with it. But it's so tight. I mean, the whole album. Yeah, to have a voice like that, and then also a flow like this. She's a double threat. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I think this is probably a good place to stop yeah. for this episode. I don't want to stop. but I don't want to stop either. But I think that um, in order to contain it all in one episode, and then um, it clearly we'll, we'll be revisiting the world of hip-hop, and we'll, we'll try and get past 1999. Yeah. Yeah, if anybody out there doesn't like hip-hop, just, I mean, just skip past this whole podcast because you're not going to get it. You never will. <laughs> Especially if you weren't born uh, in the late seventies or early eighties. Yeah, it was. Um, I feel like I feel really genuinely blessed to have been uh, in a time frame where and 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 surrounded by people who helped me discover it. I still love sharing this because there's so much, so much good shit from this decade. Yeah. So. Ugh. Mm. 
Wyclef is also an artist that I like. I like to cover his songs because he does a lot of stuff with guitar. Yeah, he, he writes yep. a lot of his yeah. own music on the he's guitar musician, first. Absolutely. And um, he's got quite a few songs that translate pretty well to a a shabby gone white solo November, acoustic artist. <laughs> Good episode. Yeah, man. Thanks again for for lending your space and and knowledge and inspiration because now i got a whole bunch more stuff to listen to again stuff that i even knew but i didn't know all of it's my my pleasure my friend Show you how the refugees do.